This week, sheep shearing. Is it cruel or a vital part of the animal's welfare? By law, we have to shear a sheep, and unfortunately there's no machine to do it. Also, Simon Leeds will update us as the Beat campaign begins for another year, and later the rural crime-busting hotline that's just been renewed for another 12 months. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. Parliament is prorogued, but we're not, so the farming conversation continues, and long may it do so. Uh, The suspension of Parliament actually meant the now annual sight of MPs sitting at Prime Minister's questions wearing those special back British Farming Day wheat pin badges didn't happen this year. Uh, That, though, didn't stop the NFU from making the most of back British Farming Day. Indeed, uh, Deputy President Guy Smith was among a small delegation who went to Downing Street to meet the Prime Minister himself. Guy, uh, what did you have to say to Boris Johnson? Uh, the first thing to say, Sean, is that it was fleeting. Obviously, it's a very honourable thing to be invited uh, into number 10, and it's one of those things I'll never forget. Uh, but it was part of back uh, British Farming Day that we hold every year in Parliament. Uh, but that hadn't gone particularly to plan this year because the Prime Minister prorogued Parliament uh, the day we held it, so there weren't many MPs about But at the last minute, uh, myself and Director General Terry Jones uh, got a 45-minute warning uh, that would we like to come into number 10, and you can't say no to an invitation like that. Uh, And we met uh, the Prime Minister in uh, the Rose Garden. Uh, Obviously, uh, as I said, a great honour to have done so. Uh, Not a lot of opportunity to put some policy uh, points over to him, but we made the point uh, that in the hamper uh, of food uh, British food uh, that we gave him, there were eggs, and we pointed out that under the tariff proposals in here that they're proposing in the event of no deal, that eggs aren't protected, uh, but they will be subject to a tariff going into the EU if they're exported. Uh, so we felt that there are some sectors that clearly aren't being protected enough uh, in the no deal measures they're proposing. Uh, and we made other points uh, about standards and how we want to see the standards commission that we were proposing uh, a few months ago uh, seems to have gone in the long grass. But it was a bit of a flash. We only got five minutes. Uh, but we just wanted uh, uh, to give him the opportunity to show that uh, he backed British farming. You also, uh, the NFU this week, also published its kind of manifesto, if you like, talking about being carbon neutral within the next uh, 20 years. An important message to get across, isn't it? Yes, I think it's really important that, that farmers uh, take the initiative and get on the front foot on this. I mean, at the end of the day, farmers uh, pick up the tricky end of the stick because we live or die by weather. And if weather becomes less predictable or more volatile, then our job as food producers is going to become uh, more challenging. So it's important that uh, we recognise that we have some responsibilities when it comes to reducing carbon footprint and contributing fully to the bioeconomy. So the net zero uh, target, and it's important to remember, Sean, this is net zero, uh, it's not zero. Uh, We feel that through things like increased productivity, uh, better sequestration in soils and well-grazed grass, and production of more renewable energy, then we as British farmers can become net zero by 2040. But let's be clear. Uh, We can't do this on our own. It'll have to be done alongside effective government policy uh, and it'll have to be done alongside the rest of the food chain. And on one thing, we are quite clear uh, that this shouldn't be done at the cost of food production because there there is no sense in 
reducing carbon footprint by walking away from agriculture in Britain and then importing food from other parts of the world uh, where the carbon issue is probably not taken as seriously and that they're simply offshoring our carbon uh, for what is, remember, a global challenge. Indeed. Thanks for that. Guy Smith, Deputy President of the NFU. Now, as I mentioned on the programme last week, British Sugar has confirmed the start dates for the 2019-2020 campaign with both the Newark and Berry factories opening this coming Tuesday. Simon Leeds from British Sugar can uh, tell us more. Good to have you back, Simon. Yeah, good to be back this month. And Nick, thank you very much for standing in last month whilst I was uh, sunning myself in a wet Scotland. Um, but... Uh, there we are. So, yeah, just talking about the weather, let's just start there. Uh, great to see the sun shine for the last few weeks. Not only has it allowed farmers to wrap up the cereal harvest, but it's been very beneficial for the beet crop. We've had, you know, reasonably regular rain over the summer, and that's really helped the crop along. And now we've had the sort of sunshine. The sugar content has come up nicely, um, as well as the root weight. Virus levels are, you know, looking low. And crops generally looking, you know, well and healthy. So as ever, whilst crop prospects look fair, you know, still a long way to go uh, as we run through the campaign. Uh, and yes, you're right, Sean, we start on Tuesday. My main message really, uh, first I just want to talk about is safety. You know, absolutely nothing we do is worth getting hurt for. Um, we had the day down in Cambridge recently, we invited um, the contractors who and haulies who work for us on the beet delivery service and a lot of our own staff and we were, you know, it was great. We were supported by the HSE and UK Power Networks. And a key theme for the day really was, you know, focusing on the poor safety record of UK agriculture uh, and the poor health and safety culture. And, you know, what can we do to improve that? Because it is, agriculture is the most dangerous land-based industry, which is pretty scary. The first focus of the day was on the danger of mixing people and machinery. The second major focus was on the danger of overhead power lines, so please, please be careful. And there's a huge amount of uh, great information in the British Sugar Campaign Handbook and advice available also from HSE and UK Power Networks. So, you know, please, if you see something that's dangerous, it's not always easy. Be brave and have that conversation because you could be saving someone's life. And it's, you know, it's as simple as that, really. In the factory, the juice run is going really well. The factory is ready to go. We've we've spent a lot of time and effort and money uh, on all sorts of plant. But I guess the two sort of key bits that we've really focused on is the replacement of both bearings on the diffusers. Um, if you recall, we had a major breakdown last campaign. Um, and we spent a lot of money also on replacing pipework because leaks last year were a bit of an Achilles heel. So we believe all of this standards in good stead for the season. Clearly, with harvests starting to roll, it's time to think about maximising delivered yields. You know, you've all invested in the crop and spent the summer growing a great crop. There's, you know, simply no point in, in then leaving it in the field. So please pay attention to harvester losses, thinking about whole root losses, overcrowning, but also root damage inflicted by excessive turbine speed. So do spend that time in the field looking at harvester operations and um, what's being left behind. And do again, do have those conversations with the operator uh, on the machine to, to, to see what can be improved if, if those losses are excessive. Again, there's great information available via the BBRO and my team of contract managers. And BBRO are at hand to offer you know, specific advice on harvesting and storage. So do please make use of all that resource. Finally, looking at uh, next season, 
I'm pleased to say that the protracted negotiations for the 2020 crop, I believe, are all but completed. And we should be notifying growers in writing very shortly as to the outcome on that. I believe both enhanced one- and three-year contracts will be on offer, and I think those will be well-received by growers. And as we go into the contracting period, do please talk to your contract manager. You know They are available there. They're a resource for you to help you with all aspects of the crop, really helping you to maximise your crop returns. And um, I guess lastly but not least, uh, may I wish all our growers, contracts and haulers a safe and successful campaign. And the same to you. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Sean. Simon Leeds there at British Sugar. You might have heard Peter has had a bus advert banned by the advertising watchdog. It was calling for a boycott on woolly jumpers with the slogan Go Wool Free This Winter. The campaign suggested that sheep shearing is cruel and that wool is just as cruel as fur. Well, the Advertising Standards Authority received complaints saying the message was misleading and that sheep shearing is actually crucial to maintaining the animal's welfare. It's an issue we've discussed before on the programme. British Wool chatted with us just last month. Well, if you've been to a country show this summer, you'll uh, most certainly have seen the team from the sheep show. Richard Savory is one of the shearers. Everyone actually likes to see shearing. It's, it's um, you know, it's a very skilled operation and it... it it looks easy, uh, and um, but believe me, it's not. Mm. But but it is, you know, to see, especially when you throw out the fleece uh, after you've finished the sheep, and the you know you hear from the crowd, it's fantastic. Um, and so yeah, you, you're explaining what you do, and and it is important that we we try to educate, and and uh, because there are members of society who are uh, making you know sit behind their computer screens and think they know everything about but you know we're, we're trying to tell a story here and if we do it practically then uh, hopefully people can see and ask ask questions to us of, you know what, what actually happens here yeah. and as you say it's an important uh, message to get across really isn't it i mean the fact that what you'd be paid one pound fifty to shear the sheep but the yeah. farmer would get £1.20 perhaps yeah yeah and in a lot of cases it's gone up a little bit yeah. um, but even so it's very you know very small amount and in fact I was in um, Surrey uh, on bank holiday Monday and uh, I say you know how much for this fleece and uh, a lady uh, said £100 you know she had no concept that it would be just £2 um, and I think today we you know we do also we don't hide behind the fact that you know meat uh, is the main sort of uh, source of income for far- for sheep farmers and um, uh, uh, people expect their food to be on the supermarket shelves 24 7 um, and it's a long process to get it there you know for sheep it's five months for a lamb and then you've got another three or four months before they're ready to eat you know beef it's even three years people forget about that and we, we sort of had this cheap food sort of principle and it's in people's psyche but you know i heard a horrific fact the other day that only eight percent of our income goes is spent on food you know 25 years ago it's probably 30 percent uh it can't carry on i know the government wants us to have cheap food but as farmers if you want real industrialized farming that's what you're going to get with cheap food but if you want the environment to look like it is with the small farms and and i've seen it in my 30 years here you know uh, from new zealand that the change in agriculture and that that sort of um you know and i don't think that 
yeah, cheap food is the answer. And you mentioned about you know certain vocal elements. Shearing the sheep, it's not cruel, is it? They need to be sheared, really. That's right. I mean, by law, we have to shear a sheep. And, and over hundreds of years, we've really developed sheep uh, to grow more wool. Uh, during the years when wool was worth more than oil was, uh, you know, sheep were there to produce more and more wool. I guess it's turned, turned round, and we are sort of developing sheep that have got less wool. But we still have that we've still got to share a sheep and unfortunately there's no machine to do it and yeah okay uh there's you know that the some of the evidence that that some of these uh, groups are finding there's always some bad eggs definitely whatever you do there's bad you know so um even i was just talking to a chap who runs a farm shop uh and you know they've had slogans um spray paint across their thing well you know everyone's uh, there to give their opinion but you don't need to be a, a bad egg to do it and uh, same with shearing yeah right, there's some bad bad shearers um, but you know we that's one of my jobs is to show that actually you know we're trying to get it off as as best as we can the views there of richard savory of the sheep show we'll catch up on the forecast soon will this warm september last first let's catch up with the world of agronomy sean sparling is here are you enjoying the weather sean morning yes good morning sean isn't it absolutely beautiful um my grandfather always used to say that there's not many years you don't get enough good weather after harvest to complete harvest all over again and i think that's what we're looking at i've got people moaning that we should have had this weather three weeks four weeks ago and i, I can't disagree with them but you know it is very dry out there now and that does cause complications with an emerging oilseed rate crop. So let's start with oilseed rate. The cabbage stem flea beetle has stepped up a gear in this last seven days. We're seeing fresh damage on fresh leaves over the course of the last three or four days and that will need dealing with. If you've already treated the cabbage stem flea beetle with a pyrethroid and bear in mind if they're resistant to one pyrethroid they will be resistant to all of the pyrethroids. So mixing two together is largely irrelevant. It doesn't seem to make any difference the timing is crucial you must hit the adult and in that crepuscular period of light that's a good word that's my new word for the week crepuscular that's the period where day turns into night the dusk time that seems to be a very good time to go out when the temperatures have dropped the light intensities drop that's when you'll start to see quite a lot of adult cabbage stem flea beetle out in the field if they're there and hitting them is the key to everything if you can contact them you stand a chance of controlling them now the other thing to look at in oilseed rape is the level of volunteer which is coming through because volunteer wheat volunteer barley doesn't seem to be as affected by the dry conditions as the oilseed rape itself is and some of these fields are absolutely full hole with volunteer barley now you have to take these volunteers out at the earliest opportunity really just follow the growth stage recommendations on the oilseed rape on a graminicide so proper quizifrock for example fully expanded cotyledons and the reason they have that on the label is because you've got a little bit of active ingredient in a graminicide and then you've got an awful lot of other things You've got the carrier, the extender, the sticker, the wetter, the surfactants, the adjuvants. All of those things are active on the surface of the leaf in order to get the active ingredient in. Similarly with insecticides, a lot of those surfactants and wetters and stickers and spreaders and extenders in there too. A tiny little bit of active ingredient. So... If you're mixing a graminicide with an insecticide to kill two birds with one stone, as it were, you're putting a lot of surfactants on that. And a stressed cotyledon crop of oilseed rape has the potential to be damaged, particularly if it stays hot and dry. So speak to your agronomist and make sure the crop is big enough before you go out putting those things on. But it is catch-22 because we do need to take these volunteers out before they compromise the crop. 
because they're taking vital moisture, vital nutrients away from that little crop, which is trying to get through the ground. So I am seeing a step up in cabbage stem flea beetle activity this week. Hopefully over the course of the next 14 days or so, that activity will peak and start to wane. We'll have a little drop of rain and these crops should start to move away because you'll have given them the 30 kilos of nitrogen they're allowed to have before the 1st of November. Combination of warm soil, bit of wet, bit of nitrogen, they should push away. But as we saw last year, it's not necessarily the direct feeding from the adults which is the issue it's the larvae now i've got sticky traps out in fields i'm finding a lot of cabbage stem flea beetle adults but i'm also finding a lot of the little parasitic wasps some of which will be the microtonus brassicae which predate on cabbage stem flea beetle adults but i'm also finding other little pests out there i can find cabbage root fly stuck to some of these particularly down on the sandy land as i head over the wellingore cliff you can find cabbage root fly down there so incidental control of that will be achieved when you're spraying the cabbage stem flea beetle adults but as i've said before make sure you're treating new damage and not constantly revisiting the old damage and make sure you stay within the rules of how many you can put on and what dose you can apply when you're using it it's there for a reason to protect some of the beneficials these dose restrictions so for goodness sake abide by those rules still got linseed to harvest we've still got some spring beans to harvest we were quite bullish last week about the lower levels of brooked beetle damage in spring beans as some of these crops are being harvested now and brought in the lower the yield it seems the higher the brooked beetle damage and that's reflective of it's a dilution effect so if you've got five and a half tons per hectare of spring beans coming in and you've got 5% brooked damage in there it doesn't look that much but if you've got 5 to 10% brooked damage in a three ton per hectare crop it looks an awful lot of holes in there so fingers crossed you'll get these beans away for human consumption because it means a difference of 40 odd quid per ton to you linseed still to be harvested the bits i've had done i'm not particularly ecstatic about three quarters of a ton to a ton seems to be as good as i've heard this year on linseed whether that be winter linseed or otherwise and anybody that's considering putting winter wheat in the ground yet, number one, I think you're crackers. <laughs> number two, I understand the logistics of big farms need to get things in the ground. But do bear in mind, the later you drill, so get into October, the less the risk of BYDV is in these crops because it's all down to heat, it's all down to day degrees. And if you're going to drill early, pick the right variety for the job. You know, Graham is a better earlier driller, for example, than something like Barrel or Kerin. So speak to your advisor, speak to your agronomist. Don't go over the top on seed rates either you want to be no more than about 150 to 175 seeds per meter squared at this time of year because every single one of them will grow they'll all tiller like bilio and you don't want to end up with any more than 650 to 700 ears per square meter at harvest more than that it's going to compromise the yield so the swallows are still here at the moment i'm enjoying them and i'm taking heart that while we've still got swallows we've still got some summer and why not thank you sean sean sparling of sparling agronomy services on to the open field update then what's happening kit dickinson well harvest is coming to an end now sean that is good news though because last week we did see a five pound rise on the wheat market after four weeks of a continual decline which really was due to harvest pressure high yield and a strengthening pound but this week has seen both up and downsides and settled nearly unchanged on the week. As the last wheat is cut, we have managed to see some samples coming through and sadly some have low bushel weights and milling wheat has got a reduced hagberg after the rain that we had in the middle of August. But on the plus side, there is a lot of yield and good quality out there still. Yields have been high compared to the five-year average this year and some farms have come in at between 10 and 11 tonne average across the farm. 
With any high yielding year comes lower prices due to simple equation of supply and demand. And this year there is added uncertainty of what will happen post the 31st of October with Brexit and how much we will be able to export and where to. It is very important now that harvest is nearly over to ensure all grains and oil seeds are sampled to ensure moisture and quality is recorded accurately. Please contact your open field farm business manager for sampling requests. Oilseed rape this week. There is a different story to tell this year on oilseed rape compared to wheat. We've seen reduced yields across the board and this year it's some rather poor quality with oils being lower. This has helped the price but it is important to keep an eye on imports and how much there will be. This will be the biggest driving force in the price and until we get an idea of the American soya crop the price could continue to drop. We have seen some rape imported into the UK this year but not a huge quantity and prices will stay high at 330 but there are limited consumers coming to the market which could keep rape at a discount and then will drop to import parity depending on how much we have. Barley continues to be exported at a huge pace through most ports in the UK. The current estimate is 450,000 tonnes of barley being exported before the 31st of October. Dependent on the amount left in November, this large tonnage of export could help firm the feed and the malting barley price. Early indications of beans are good, but there is varied quality and varied yield. Beans this year will be priced on a sample basis, as it was the same as last year. Demand is uncertain at present due to a few buyers coming to the market, but there is a high likelihood the Egyptians will come to the market for human consumption beans at the end of the year. So moving on to prices this week, wheat, September, still under harvest pressure at 122 to 123, November, 126 to 128, February, 129 to 130, and May, 132 to 134. Milling premium still holding out at circa 18 to 22 pounds, dependent on quality and area. Oil seed rape this week, 324 to 326 for September. November, 327 to 329. February, 330 to 332. And May, 332 to 335. Barley, feed barley, September, 108 to 110. November moving up slightly to 113 to 115. February, 115 to 117. And May, 118 to 119. A guide on malting barley premiums would be between 10 and 15 pounds, but lacking in buyers at the moment. As I said earlier, if you have any beans, please get them sampled and contact your open field FBM with your sample, and they will give you a price for that. Thanks, Kit. That's Kit Dickinson with the weekly roundup of all things open field. Last week on the programme, you might remember, we were discussing the issue of hair coursing and rural crime. If you missed it, the podcast is online on our website. Well, a special hotline set up by Crime Stoppers has just been renewed for another year, with funding found to keep it ringing, or rather to ensure it's answered swiftly. Lydia Patsalidis is from Crime Stoppers. So for just over a year now, um, NFU have worked with Crime Stoppers and we have a dedicated rural crime line which encourages people to report on four different rural crime types. Uh, Theft of livestock, theft of plant and machinery, hair coursing and poaching, which is encouraging people to report information on crime 100% anonymously. And how do you think, you know, what is the help, benefit of reporting it anonymously for people? Um, A lot of people use Crime Stoppers because um, they want to report information on crime but not have to give any of their personal details to the police. Crime Stoppers enables those that either live in fear of people around them or live in fear of the crime that they know about but also don't want the police to come to their house. In terms of rural crime, 
Um, it encourages people who might be intimidated by those hair courses, as an example, um, to report information on crime. So we're able to feed the information through to the police who are able to put the picture together uh, to find the people that they're looking for. Obviously it helps farmers, because I suppose, is there a sense of under-reporting of rural crime, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Nationally, rural crime is hugely under-reported. Uh, I think a lot of people think that their concerns are not necessarily reported to, and that comes down to a huge change in budget. We want to encourage people to continue to do so, so that resources can be put in place where it's necessary. So it's just been renewed for a year. Was that, you know, had good feedback from farmers and people in the community then over the past year? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it is being used. The line has... Um, it's being used quite actively right through the nation. So to have it come uh, renewed for a further year encourages farmers to continue to use it so that they know their concerns are being listened to. That's Lydia Patsalidis from Crime Stoppers chatting there with Oliver Pribmore. That number, should you need it, is 0800 783 0137. 0800 783 0137. And if you want to write it down, I'll give it to you again just after the weather. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. A cold front is heading our way. Shouldn't last all week, though. Certainly will feel fresher from tomorrow. Mostly dry, though, this week. Cloudy today. Highs 21 Celsius. The wind from the west-southwest at 10 to 15 miles an hour. Humid overnight. Lows of 16. Rather cloudy tomorrow and Tuesday, but still mostly dry. Temperatures in the mid-teens. Lows nearer 12. And the wind from the northwest. Wednesday, it looks like being a sunny day and indeed high pressure could build towards the end of the week and that will warm things up again as we head towards the latter end of the week. Certainly warmer for this time of year. We'll see. For now though, that is the forecast. That rural crime hotline run by Crime Stoppers and the NFU is 0800 783 0137. 0800 783 0137 and it's worth mentioning that all calls are treated in complete confidence that's it for another week here on the farming program next week we meet the winner of the golden fork at this year's great taste awards that's next sunday until then have a good week's farming